to Bards FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Great Shakedown. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction. Righteousness. Ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher. Soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is Monday, April 17th in the year 2023. And we've got some things to cover tonight. Obviously, the criminal class is enjoying the fact that you're busily getting your taxes together or already did. They're all excited about getting your mo- getting their hands on your money because they want to spend more, send more to Ukraine, line their pockets more, give their cronies more bonuses, and figure out more ways that they can enslave us all. Such is the world we live in, but hey, it's all right. Patriots, one thing is absolutely clear right now is we have to keep our health up sleep up, all those good things, but health is critical. They're waging war on so many levels with health. It's nuts. Stuff they spray in the sky, stuff they put in the water, you know, food, like nanotechnology and all the garbage. So you just have to keep your immune system at full peak. And the best way to do that is to take good things for your body. Oh, wait, we've got one of those. And it's a great thing for your body. It is a true organic product called Field of Greens. Fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. You head on over there, use your Bard's code, you get 15% off. If you take the monthly subscription, you're going to get an additional 10% off. And here's the best part about it. It's a whole food, organic product made here in the United States. You read the label, you're like, oh my goodness, it looks like a grocery list. I don't have to get out my science dictionary. That's how the type of label it is. And then you know when you're using it, that it's made in America, so you don't have to worry about Chinese inserts. And it's a good, small American company. Those are all good things. And they have this other guarantee going that if you take it and then you go to your next doctor's a visit and your, de- and your doctor doesn't say something like, hey, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it because your health looks great, they'll refund your money. It's a pretty good deal. Every food item listed in there on that label is designed for a specific part of your body. It completely boosts the immune system of your body. I take it every morning when I get up. I've taken a lot of supplements over the last few years, and there's a lot of good ones. I just This is one that I've been seeking for a long time for the community because it's all whole food. It's not, We don't need to worry about the extractions. And this is a full, wholesome product just like God intended, and that's how I like it. So check it out, fieldofgreens.com fieldofgreens.com. You can find the link below every podcast. You click on that link. You use your Bard's code, 15% off. You take a monthly subscription, which you can cancel at any time, suspend at any time, but it gets you an additional 10% off. So it's worth giving a shot. And I think once you try it, you're going to love it. I do. I'm just going to keep keep on taking it. So anyway, fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bard's. You got it. All right, Patriots, let's begin with some words from Ronald Reagan, how's that for tonight as a way to start? That's been a while. 
When you and I were boys back in the Midwest, right. governments, federal, state, and local, were only taking about 15 cents out of every dollar earned. Today, they're taking almost half of every dollar earned in the United States. And most people don't realize it because the taxes are hidden in the so-called business taxes. You know, the politician that stands up and yells, oh, let's save the little man, let's tax business, and everybody yells, hooray. But they haven't figured out that every tax on business is just a part of the cost of production. The United States before the 20th century never had an income tax. Taxes were paid excise taxes and import taxes and a whole host of taxes, but not an income tax. You were allowed to keep the money that you earned, which sounds to me to be the moral approach to money. That stopped. It started at 1% and now it's 50%, which is what happens with everything that touches government. It grows and it grows just like the government grows and Government is like a cancer, and people are starting to get very wary and tired of it. Thank goodness it's about time. Our government is a behemoth that's been growing on the back of the people of America. It is a corporation. It is not a real entity of the republic, and it is an illegal occupier of our lands. It has partnered up with international corporations of all kinds, which it's a pay-to-play situation, meaning that they can pay in to get their certain candidates they want in place. They can pay their lobbyists to give congressmen donations, dinners, whatever else they can within the boundaries of the rules that they keep and and maintain. And at the end of the day, we don't have representation. It's not representation of the people. It's corporatocracies ruling the people, which we know fundamentally was never as this country was designed. Our founding fathers established that we would be subordinate to the wills of God, our creator, and the government would be subordinate to the wills of the people. But unfortunately, that's not where we are. The problem is now that people are beginning to awaken, and they're starting to get upset, and they're starting to get a little agitated. Now, that's good, but it also leads to some dumb things. Now, I've been talking the last couple of nights about red lines, and it's really important when I talk about this, and I'm going to be talking a lot about it this week, about understanding where your red lines are. What does that mean? It means everybody has a limit and everybody has a, a place. And usually if we establish a red line, we find we can go a little bit farther beyond it. But there is some, there are some definitive red lines in my life that you cross them, there's consequence. The problem is people aren't thinking through those and they're getting emotional. And now it's starting to just percolate up and it's going to get a lot worse because people aren't prepared for this level of awakening. Awakening is happening. They're becoming aware. Journalists have absolutely earned their right to be detested in this nation. And so unfortunately, those two things of an emotional reaction and a journalist came to a head in McCurtain County. Take a listen to this. Calling for the resignations of several McCurtain County leaders over audio recordings of the sheriff, two of his employees, and a county commissioner reportedly discussing beating, killing, and burying two journalists. News 9's Storm Jones is following the developments. This is a big story from Ida Bell. Storm? Yeah, that's right, Robert Lacey. The McCurtain County Commission convened an emergency meeting about 30 minutes ago. This comes after public outcry over comments recorded by Bruce Willingham. He's a reporter and publisher with the McCurtain Gazette. He says he left his recorder behind to capture what he suspected were Open Meeting Act violations. Instead, he said he heard what he heard were threats and innuendos surrounding murdering him and his son, who also worked for the paper. Yeah, then they got pretty specific. They talked about hiring hitmen, digging holes, and eliminating the journalist and his son. Really dumb. 
super dumb. But here's the problem. We have put up with an incessant level of journalism that is at its core just rotten. It's either tabloidism or it's lies. So I don't know where this paper sits, and I'm sure we're going to hear the ethical lecture by their journalist of how he's all up and up and how he's, he's trying to do the best for the county. I've lived through that in my own county with a local newspaper. There was a liberal rag. Fortunately, recently, that local paper was sold, and it was picked up by some very solid businessmen, and it's now reporting well in our county. So I'm not giving any favor to the journalist at all in this situation. But I am highlighting this as a point of Americans are getting fed up. And the thing is, what's going to happen is emotions are getting ahead of logic and common sense. We've got to be able to think through and think through logically. Keep your center on faith, but understand that everybody has a red line. And that's just it, is everybody's been pushed now way beyond the limit of normal. And people are starting to really get fed up. This is a great piece by a young girl who's been getting thrashed on social media because she's calling a woman a woman. So I had a lot of people on the left come after me over the weekend because of a tweet I made about the female anatomy, that men cannot be women because they can't. Changing your pronouns, playing dress up, cutting off your genitals does not make you a woman, never did, never will. If trans women were real women, you wouldn't need the title trans, now would you? But somehow I'm a hateful Christian for stating the obvious. Standing up for God's design of male and female does not make me a hateful Christian just because you feel offended. It's not your job to reconstruct what you think you are and expect people to play along. You're upset, take it up with God or science, they both back it up. But I'd be doing a disservice to myself and to you by pretending that a lie is the truth for the sake of not offending anyone, instead of living apart for Christ in a world full of evil. The truth of the gospel will hurt people's feelings, but I have just as much of a right as anyone else to talk about my beliefs, and I will not be curbing it just because you might take offense. Truth hurts, but it does not equal hate. Dead on. And this is where the strength of what she's saying is, comes through so well, is pivoting from the gospel gives us a lot of strength. I don't know anywhere in the gospel other than discussions of deceit that you're going to be talking about digging holes with your backhoe, hiring a, a hitman to wipe out two journalists. That's just wrong. Absolutely wrong. But the problem is, like I said, is there, the left has a privileged attitude in, in it. It, is, it sees itself as privileged above the law, above the Constitution, and that laws need to be made by themselves. And they don't want to be accountable for the outcome. The thing is that the war has been waged on youth, on elderly, and now on Christians. And they're narrowing out everywhere they can to find that dividing line to where they can start calling it race. None of that's true. And in reality, it's true only in the narratives that they create. But we have got to be very level-headed here. At the same time, understand that there are firm limits. This is a good example of a young lady that has a firm limit, absolutely will not cross it, and she holds her line. That is, a, that is a red line. She's not going to cross it under any circumstances. And the problem is the left just doesn't get this. I've watched too many videos, and the hatred that's flowing through black America right now is unmeasurable. And it's turning to violence, which is leading me to often ask the other questions like, and I'm very serious what I'm saying, because if you understand about Operation Crimson Rose in Rwanda, you understood that they used 5G frequencies on Africans to cause them to literally butcher and murder each other with machetes. That was a CIA-run operation with airborne platforms. So right now, I'm really asking the question of what have they done? Because black America is off the chain angry and violent right now. 
And what it's going to take is it's going to take some very level and strong-headed black Americans to step in and start start interceding to calm this down. But it's crazy because it's coming out against whites. And this is there's nothing going on here. There is no race war other than the war that's being created by the elites. And this is something we're going to have to keep our prayers on and also you have to keep vigilant on. But even corporations are starting to learn little slow in the game, in fact, that there's a consequence, but the magnitude of what we're dealing with right now is much greater in the consequence for corporations even that are going woke than they've ever seen. The fact of the matter is that conservative America is fed up. We're fed up with having to have their transgender garbage flushed down our throat. We're fed up with being told that somehow there's now, oh, by the way, there are two genders, by the way, under this new movement, you're either trans or you're cis. And if you don't believe me, check it out. Because trans is somebody who wants to choose their gender. Cis is someone who decides that they are going to be the gender they were born with. They have very quietly re redefined gender as a whole and taken out male and female. That's an abomination to God, an abomination to our faith. And so right now this war is being waged and people are fed up. Take a listen to this piece here by John Rich in relationship to the Bud Light debacle. John Rich is a country singer and has a bar. Country music star John Rich. Thank you very much for joining us, John. We appreciate it. Here's my question. Why did you pull Bud Light from your bar in downtown Nashville? Well, it's real simple, Stu. It's called People Aren't Ordering It. So yeah. Bud Light has been the number one selling beer at my bar, Redneck Riviera, down in Nashville, since we opened our doors in 2018. Far and away, the number one best-selling beer, Bud Light. And about a week ago, when all this news broke, I, I told my general manager, I said, keep track on those Bud Light sales, because I, I want to see what happens. And over the past seven or eight days, our, our Bud Light sales are non-existent to the point where we had to call the distributor and say, hey, would you come down and pick up these 118 cases of Bud Light because nobody's ordering them and they're just going to go bad sitting here. So well, at, at the end of the day, it, yeah, if the customers don't want it, I can't stock it. You think it's a turning point? I mean, the, lots of companies in this country are very woke and they push very woke points of view, political points of view. Now, this is pushback against Bud Light. You think we're going to see pushback in other industries, other companies, which are also trying to go woke? Well, it's quite possible. I mean, I think Americans feel like their voices aren't heard anymore. We know about the censorship on social media. You know, you can't say what you want to say. You're never heard. And I think yeah. now they're going, well, if they're not going to listen to our words, maybe they'll listen to our dollars that we don't spend anymore. And that's the customer's right to do that. It's also sure. Bud Light's right to market their product however they want to yep. it's yep. their brand yep. it's their you money it. talk about it however you want to i i do that with my brand redneck riviera god family country Stuart. pretty simple on my end what what is your top selling beer at your bar uh since bud light has gone away uh we're seeing a big surge in yingling right now we're seeing Modelo yep. pick up a lot uh you know people are finding other things to drink it, it's pretty sad too because of having a beer at the end of the day, that's supposed to be when you can forget about right. all the crazy stuff going on in the world, all the divisive stuff. But now you can't even pick up a beer without a bullhorn being in your face. One last one. What's your top selling liquor? I would imagine it's bourbon because that's the all American drink. What is it? 
Yeah, so at my bar, it's Redneck Riviera Whiskey. It's by far and away the number one. My whiskey's now in 10,000 stores, Stu, all over the United States. RedneckRiviera.com has all my stores listed. Here's what's happening, Stu. Americans are, are falling out of love with brands that they've loved for a long time. They can't stay loyal to the brand. So they're going out and they're finding upstart brands, mid-tier brands, other brands that speak their language that they can stay loyal to. I think I'd better get into your industry and your business. It sounds like it's profitable. John Rich, hey, thanks for being with us this morning. Always appreciate it, John. We'll see you soon. So, Patriots, that's the key at the end there is that Americans are starting to wake up that these big corporations are really stabbing us all in the back. They are not American anymore. They've gone globalist and they've been bought off by the WEF and other financial institutions that are linked to the WEF. And so much of what you're witnessing in this corporate debacle of trying to force feed us into this transgender nightmare is the simple fact that what they're doing is they're having to pay their piper. Their masters are dictating them. Their club dues, so to speak, are being called in that they have to start doing this in order to get future financing. It's because so much of the global financing setup is driven by these communists that most of them are pedophiles and they all support this inversion strategy because they're also Satanists. That's just a fundamental fact in our world now. So the only answer for us to be able to move on this is for us to use our dollars as a weapon system. And that's part of red lines. The concern that many people have right now, and just in reading the analysis of the Bud Light thing, which is, again, what happened to Target and others, there's this big initial surge by conservatives, and they step away from a brand. But then after the time, they slowly migrate back in because change is a difficult thing, and it's a lot easier to be part of the old way when nobody's really paying attention. This can't happen anymore. These companies need to be lose their brand loyalty by the people, period. And when they violate it, we need to step away and find local and encourage local options. And as this happens, this becomes part of the war. And the, this is a very vicious war. You know, as we've talked about now here a number, a long time, unlike a kinetic war, which it would be very easy for Americans to visualize, you would have bombs exploding, people getting shot by snipers, you'd have raids, you'd have air, air attacks, etc. You'd have artillery and mortar You'd have soldiers on the ground. You would see viscerally the death of people. The thing is, this war has, in, in, has delivered more casualties than any ground war we've ever been in. If you look at the number of people dead from the injection, you're starting to realize how deadly this campaign has been and how many people have been maimed or permanently disabled by this vax. That it was one of their primary delivery systems. The other part about this is the psychological aspect, which is going to last for generations. They are mutilating children. The only other time in recent history that we have seen this is when the Nazis took out and had the elderly and the children defend their central command in Berlin when the Russians were coming in. This is the same group of people. And now they're waging war against kids and they're using the transgender ideology of sickness to willfully get these kids to try to mutilate themselves. And more and more of these youth are coming forward and admitting that they regret ever having to do it. But it's the influence around that cult that they're in that drives them to make these horrific decisions that affect them for the rest of their lives. So on top of all these issues that are going on, we're also starting to find out the deeper elements of what's behind everything. Take, for example, what happened in the last elections. What we really need to realize as we understand more and more is this is all one party two faces. 
that's all linking itself back to Israel in a bad way. Take a listen here. When the FTX scandal broke last year, we heard a lot about how disgraced billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried used his fortune to support the Democrat Party, but the specifics of this are interesting. See, rather than using his donations to help Democrats beat Republicans, SBF poured most of his donations into Democrat primaries, supporting more pro-Israel candidates and working to stifle more populist candidates that were less friendly to Israel. In total, SBF donated over $29 million to the so-called Injustice Democrats, a collection of political action committees dedicated to defeating candidates that were insufficiently pro-Israel. This campaign was also supported by Trump-supporting billionaires like Bernie Marcus, Paul Singer, the New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft. What do they all have in common? They may have supported different political parties, but these Zionist plutocrats care less about whether Team Red or Team Blue wins the election than having both parties beholden to Israeli interests. This is two parties. It is one face, two parties, or one party, two faces, sorry. One party, two faces. And this is what we're dealing with in this whole corporate thing because they all have the centralized agenda. We're seeing these, this mainstreaming of trans stuff everywhere, including the Republican Party. They're bringing it in, and it's, a, it's an indirect war constantly on Christian values. There has to come a point when we're going to say enough is enough. And so this is one of the many levels of war. This is, the, this is one of the psychological and spiritual attacks on this war. We have the, the, the war we are having constantly on our money, constantly on our food. All of this is happening at the same time because they're all trying to corral everybody into this master plan of getting everybody enslaved with a new digital dollar. Take a listen to this piece here from Australia. This is disturbing. It should be remind you of the importance of your Second Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. Australia now is going after the bees, and they're eradicating bees, not because they have mites, but on the potential of potentially having mites, and they're killing off whole, whole high, high, small hive producers. Why would they do that? Everything is about corporate consolidation. The globalist agenda is driven by, a corporate, by corporate entities that are all subsidiaries of essential corporations. So they want the small producers out of the way so they can control the entire supply chain system. They want to know if they want to inject the honey with something or they want to create another type of honey and genetically hybrid so that it modifies us. They need to have control over everything. And Australia is on the cutting edge of making sure that the small producers get eradicated. 30 minutes, the DPI is showing up and they're going to pour 250 milliliters of petrol in each one of our hives, or 17 of them. These are the two guys that have come in. I'm assuming that there will be more. We've proven that we have no varroa mite in our hives. They don't even test it. In fact, they're here to just destroy it. They come here, they've got their petrol, they're pouring it into our hives. They don't care about you. They care about their money. They care about destroying us. They didn't even test our hives and they're just killing them. They, they haven't even, get that in their heads, they haven't even tested for something they're killing for. That makes no sense. It makes a lot of sense when you consider they want you to eat bugs and they want you to eat genetically grown, grown vegetables. They want to do it in these vertical agriculture facilities. And they want to build the new cities where you can live there that are 15-minute cities, inspired by the greatness of our university thinking that drives the idea that everyone's going to die next week if they don't have an electric car. All of this is on the horizon. It's still coming at us. And this is the beginning. They're laying the foundations now to start nipping at the tail, any ability for people to have latitude and where they can source food. 
Control the food, control the people. It's critical. But we're there to avoid us realizing all of this, they have to continue to have the distractions. And right now, one of the biggest distractions in the country has been Chicago with Teen Night. Y'all catch that video of Chicago Teen Night? 99% of them were young black males. Now, I'm not being a racist at all, because I bet you this, there's some black parents that would spank their little asses if they knew it was their kids. There's good American black people, but we got a problem with young black males tearing up our cities. And it's not because of poverty. It's not because of racism. It's not because of this and that. It's simply because of one thing, anarchy, lawlessness. I'm not saying shoot them with a gun, but I guarantee if they hammer down with some rubber bullets in that crowd, like they should, instead of allowing this shit to go on, and destroy the citizens' property and taxpayers' money, Yeah, it would end that shit in a heartbeat. If you knew that your ass was going to act out and they were going to hammer you with a rubber bullet, I guarantee you you'd act right. Why ain't they hammering them with rubber bullets? Because they want this shit to happen so they can take your guns, so they can tell you, come in and solve the problem. They create the chaos. So they can provide the solution. So you think they got the solution. And what they do is they enslave your ass. And get this, it won't be long that the new version of the American slave won't have no color. It'll be all of us, fluid English. That piece right there, Patriots, is a person who's absolutely fed up. And he's dead on with what he says. The problem we have right now in America is that we are being force-fed agendas, but have been designed by a handful of elite, and they're pushing hard to keep the distractions going. Black America is an easy target. I can't tell you the physiological reasons why, but they have got them fired up and dialed up, and they're using them as a front shock troop to create racial division within America. I have nothing against black America. I have nothing against any Americans. We're a, we're a melting pot. The problem is that they're using media, they're using the, the events to highlight it. And it so happens that the black youth, which are being highly manipulated by our education system to hate, are being ginned up to go after things, and they're being told that they're entitled to whatever they take and whatever they do. They're destroying things. And in the process, we see the pullback of our police. Look, there's a right and a wrong here. And the problem is that our police are not doing the right job. You're going to hear like, well, I can't because. There's no because here. There needs to start being a full line of blue that understands that there is a law to enforce. Enforce it. And if you can't enforce it, get out of the force because you're just part of the damn problem. And this is exactly where we've had is way too many people trying to say, well, the rules told me to. I was directed to. And they don't have personal red lines. This is the world that we're in right now. All of this is being done because they know something's about to happen. Under the trans agenda, they are pushing pedophilia, mainstreaming pedophilia. They're doing it in laws. And how are they doing it? Look at what just is hap- what is happening here in Oregon, Washington, and California. And if you think if you if you're one of these that goes, "Oh, that's the left coast or blue states," think again. Because this is how they get this agenda in. I'm going to remind you that the trans movement has now been embraced by the Republican Party. They're part of it, and they're welcoming them in. This is all about one party, two faces. 
and they're using the extreme left to pilot the programs that they will quietly move in in the other states. You don't believe me? Remember what they're doing with guns right now. With guns, both parties now are, are voting in to get biometric guns approved as the only type of gun you can use. This is happening. They just passed a new pollution act that now says that basically every manufacturer in the United States has to stop making electric cars by 2040. They're forcing this agenda on people. And so when we look at all of this, you have to ask yourself, why? What is it that they're doing? Well, they know very well that when we discover that every one of them was knowledgeable or participant in child sex trafficking or pedophilia, people aren't going to be very happy. And when people discover that their 401ks, their pensions have all been pillaged and raped by these banksters, what do you think people are going to do? It's literally going to be pitchfork time. We are headed into some hard times and Americans are not prepared. If you're not paying attention to how fast things are changing, you're going to get caught up. You're going to get run over by these changes. Americans are going to be hurt worse than any other place in the world. I would say almost exclusively, except for small countries that are pegged to the U.S. dollar. You have countries like Panama, Ecuador, various Latin American countries that are pegged to the U.S. dollar. What are they going to do when the U.S. dollar is no longer the main currency? They're obviously going to have ramifications. But the greatest ramifications, Doctor, are going to be here in the United States. And what it will mean is sky-high inflation. Do you think inflation is bad now? You haven't seen anything. When, when prices, when they don't double or triple, but you see a hundredfold increase in, in basic commodities. We're getting there very quickly. But people aren't paying attention because like everything else, it's a distraction. They raise the price on one product. They change the size on products and keep the prices the same. The details matter right now, and they're going through mass manipulation of the markets so that people's eyes are not on the fact that the dollar is sliding, and they're about ready to roll something in much bigger and much worse, and that's called the CBDC. Now we're reaching the end of the line, and uh, essentially to avoid pitchforks at their door, we're being ushered into a paradigm of central bank digital currencies yes. um, and complete surveillance so that people, when they figure out how screwed they've been uh won't be able to do anything about it uh it's gonna it's coming to america they already have a pay a website set up for the digital currency it's like fed now or something like that or uh, have you heard about that whitney yeah fed, fed now launches in july it's a they claim it will make payments faster and it has nothing to do with central bank digital currencies uh even though you know the vast majority of every country in the world is developing some sort of type of central bank digital currency and the central bankers around the world have essentially admitted whether it's augustine carson's head of the bis or someone like christine lagarde essentially saying that it's about control it's not about money it's about ending financial anonymity being able to surveil every transaction where every uh, dollar goes and is spent and being able to control what people can and can't buy and essentially if you control the money to that extent you can control what people can or can't do where they can and can't go i mean you know the possibilities for them are really endless but do we really want to give up all of that freedom to people that um engage in ex extensive cr criminal activity and have for a long time and can you know deceive the public i mean it's it's crazy and that's what's coming is the collapse of the financial system which they're trying to keep on life support as they slide in this 
new digital currency, which is just another version of a fiat currency, only it's worse. The first step of this is the Fed now process. And obviously the Fed now is a big architectural shift in the way banks transactions work because everything, whether it's a PayPal system, if it even continues to exist, or a Zelle or whoever has to siphon through a centralized banking system, the Fed, so that every transaction can be tagged and flagged. Everybody's system will be known. And that is part of this new AI backbone to everything that they're doing. So as you hear about, you know, that, well, there's going to be something great coming. It's going to be Nasera Jacera. It's going to be whatever. It's all garbage because nothing structurally is getting better. It's getting worse within the banking system. The breakaway aspect is what we choose and what we choose to do. And this is what they're most afraid of is that the people will begin to break away and go local, that they're going to start isolating within decentralized systems that are not going to be dependent on the corporate systems, the corporate monster. The, back to Bud Light, why that is such an important issue is that people are truly fed up with being force-fed these agendas. And the best thing about the Bud Light issue is that Bud Light now, in its response, has managed to even more irritate both sides, the left and the right. Good, good on them. We are in a divided culture and it's getting worse. And unfortunately, it's going to have to be this way because this is literally the threshing floor. And we're having to see those that are going to walk towards liberty and walk towards faith in God versus those that are going to walk towards obedience and slavery. That's the wide gate. And there's a lot of them that are going to go that way because it's too difficult to go any other way. We do have an amazing shift going on in this country. And it's going to come down again, like all things, down to county by county. We are watching mass distractions, whether it's youth in Chicago, whether it's violence in the streets, all by design, whether it's the mainstreaming of pedophilia, we're keeping in mind that they want that because they want to go after your children. And when you keep in mind of what they've been doing here in the Northwest, it's significant. Washington, Oregon, California, and even those, these states are always looked at as the fringe liberal left coast that's not the way this plays out because in reality, this is where they test run everything. So right now they have backdoor pedophilia and other issues by giving children rights in the state of Washington and in the state of Oregon and in the state of California, a child can seek birth control pills no matter what their age and they can get gender reassignment surgery regardless of parental acceptance in the state of Washington. If you agree, if you disagree with your child's decision to have a gender re reassignment of surgery, the state can take your child away and they're not required to tell you where they take it. In California, if a child runs away, the state can pick it up, put it in a home, and they will not require to tell the parent where the child is. The state is stepping in here to protect, quote, children's choice, which means the back door is when the predators come after them and influence them in their very delicate phase of a child and persuade them to become their sexual subjects, it becomes the child's choice. That's the back door to mainstreaming pedophilia. This is the war we're in. So when I talk about red lines constantly, know your red lines because these children don't have anybody advocating for them. That is the big problem, including not enough of our pastors. You need a backbone to be a pastor. You need a backbone to be a preacher. These guys are born without spines. They should not be in those churches. And if they did have a spine in the past, it was surgically removed at seminary. You got it. 
So. And they should not be in these churches. They shouldn't have these titles. They shouldn't have the positions. And I pray to God that God cleanses the house of the Lord and just wipes these people out of his churches and raises up men that will preach with fire and, and power and declare the word of the Lord. We can't go on anymore with churches being led by cowards. That's it. I mean, fundamentally, the church was the foundation of this nation. The black robe was the backbone that led the revolution. And they were feared by England. They understood that. That's why they worked so hard at trying to subvert and to degrade the church over time. There's a lot of good pastors in this nation, especially in the small areas. But the fact of the matter is, this isn't time now to worry about your congregation numbers. And this is just a general statement to any pastor that hears this. Stand up and start speaking against these things boldly. Take the chance and get into your communities and start speaking out boldly. Our pastors need to come out from the dead stone walls. And they need to get into the communities and they need to start speaking boldly against this problem. And that's it. That's where it begins. Because... That unity in the church is going to make a big difference. But we don't have it right now. There's too much concern for whether we're going to step across the line and offend somebody. Too many churches now that are jumping on board trying to embrace trans stuff in the name of Christ. That is complete abomination. There is no scriptural foundation for that at all. They're just twisting the, God's word is all they're doing. And this generation is wandering now. They're out here in the middle of the desert, not really understanding even how to get out of the problems that they're in. This little snapshot of a piece is really insightful because this is a young Gen Xer or, or Gen Zer that's asking, how, how in the world do you even avoid race wars or race conflict? I can't believe we're talking about that in 2023. That's something I could understand back in the 1950s. Not now, but take a listen. How did you guys do it? How did you stay out of the generational hate war? We didn't stay out of it. It was just never an issue with us. Anybody born between like 75 and 89, you automatically started going to school with multicultures. So it was never an issue for us. White, black, and brown, we was holding it down since day one. We never looked at people at this color and stuff like that. If we didn't like somebody, it's probably because they were just an asshole. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up right there. It wasn't like that. I'm, I'm Gen Xer. It, it was an issue that you look to people worthy of what they were. The racial issues, though I'm sure that they existed in certain parts of the country, for the large part, racial issues weren't even on the topic. They had been resolved. Martin Luther King brought that forward. We were working forward to becoming a, a country unified as one, but not according to the political elites. And it's easy to point the finger at the Democrats and go, it's all the Democrats. It's not just the Democrats. It's the political class and the corporate class that wants divide and conquer because they know if we come together, there's going to be a very powerful movement of people understanding that we aren't so different. Yes, we have uniquenesses, but we aren't so different. And because we're not so different, we have a tremendous power of uniting to do something great way beyond the limitations a corporate wants to put on us. But that's kind of like what happens in the reality of a bucket of crabs. We're being surrounded by people that don't want us to climb out. 
One gentleman had this five-gallon paint bucket, and he had probably five or six crabs in there. He's casting his net, and I'm looking at the bucket of crabs, and I see this one ambitious crab crawling on top of all the rest, and he's starting to reach up towards the rim of the bucket. Clearly, this crab is trying to make a getaway, so being a good Samaritan, I'm like, hey, Mr. Fisherman, your crab's about to get away. Without even turning around to look at me, he goes, watch what happens next. And all of a sudden, this little ambitious crab that's like starting to hoist itself up gets pulled down by all the other crabs at the bottom of the bucket and in that moment I realized holy shit I have these type of crabs in my life who were constantly doubting me who were constantly hating on me exactly we need to be conscious of who we surround ourselves with these days and build tribes that are strengthening and understand that we need to get this done together tribes that are strong enough they're going to stand up against this hateful mass that's been disillusioned and is walking astray and within all of that, there has to be some hard red lines. Communities are going to have to start coming together. You're going to probably have to start building your local defense forces. I hate to say this, but this is where we're going. And it's more than just community watch. We're at a point right now when the society is unraveling. We have to see that, and we also have to embrace it for what it is. Babylon is falling. We are the center of the eye right here in this nation. And the call of all of this sits in the centerpiece of our capital, known as Washington, D.C. It is a sickening group of people up there that have settled in from three-letter agencies to the military-industrial complex with all the levers of control and power and monitoring and surveillance that they can have in their hands. And they are the ones that are manipulating the strings or trying to of the world. I can't say anything good about them. And I know that there's good people up there, but... They're not in the forefront of this fight. Communities are where it's going to make a difference. There's approximately 3,300 counties in the United States. You take 10% of those and you convert, you have power. You take half of those and you put them back to a constitutional basis. You're shaking the foundations of the nation. You get two-thirds of those, which I guarantee you can, because on the, on the demographic map of the United States, most of them are red, you will turn this country back in a heartbeat to where we need to go. We have to start holding these people accountable. We have to shake out and clear out the pedophiles. We have got to get rid of this problem of child sex trafficking, which miraculously seems to always fall off the radar of every police inst institute in our nation. They just can't tell you what the real problem is. The problem is they're these pedophiles are running amok. And the cartels and the po politicians that are giving the cartels cover and the banksters that are involved in this, they're in our communities. This is time to start organizing and understanding that the real threat is all around us. The enemy's beyond the gates. So in kind of a final analysis or an, an perspective here for you, I just want you to think about this. We talk about watchers on the wall, and they're going to be the point of the spear. And in scripture, we hear as the, as the watchers are on the wall, we have those that are they're building the wall that have a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. But keep in mind that as we have society, we are literally now under siege. It'd make a lot of sense if you had cannons on the hillside bombing your village, you would get that perspective very quickly. But they're not using cannons, they're using words, they're using weapons of war like law, politics, and the media. And then they have their predators that they have launched and spread across this country. These people are now free to move. Let's look at what's been happening in California. They're releasing pedophiles in early release in mass. Why are they doing that? To terrorize people and to feed their belief of Moloch and the sacrifice to their gods. 
This is a sickness. These people have bred their own. And the more damage they can do to kids, the more that they can ensure the longevity of their power. Because once a person is tormented, raped, and abused, they become a future predator. It's provable. This is time for communities to come together. So if we are literally having watchers on the wall, every single person beyond, behind that wall at one point or another better have a sword of steel. And while it is not the preferred way to live, it is the only way to live in this day. Understand that. We talk a great deal about the loving and forgiving heart, which is principle to not having vengeance when you strike down somebody. God will lead justice. But we also have to have the fire of righteousness to understand what is right and wrong. This is absolutely wrong. And every day that I go into the news and look at this and I see another child is testifying about how they have been converted and how they wish they hadn't, another case of a, a predator being picked up for child sex trafficking somebody, and I'm asking myself, where's the outrage? Where is the outrage? Where's the rising up of the remnant to say enough is enough? At any cost, we will save these children. When we see every day in the news, you find some other situation of abuse of an elderly in an elderly home. Where's the outrage? Or some elderly that's on the street homeless because they can't afford the residency they were in, and now they're cast out in their older age because Social Security isn't going to carry them. Where's the outrage? We have got to find the fire within the people. And that's part of our job right now is getting in there. So when we talk about we're going to spread the word, there's also about spreading the truth. The two go hand in hand. So when we're talking about Christ and bringing people to the love of Jesus, we also better be standing up to evil and talking about the responsibility that that bears with us. It isn't just enough to say, I've accepted Christ. That now carries a responsibility to stand with your brethren and stand up against evil. And that's truly where we are. A turning point in this nation, a decision we have to make, which way and which path are we going to take? Right now, pedophiles are on the run. Are not on the run, they're on the loose. Crime is spreading in the cities. The most important thing we can be doing is building that relationship in our community and with our neighbors and trying to move them to a point of being aware, at least, of the threat that's coming. But every one of us has to understand, in a remnant, that we carry both the sword of steel and the sword of the spirit for a reason. It is the great duality that exists within the garden, Peter and Jesus. And it lives living out today right before our very eyes. Train with both, be vigilant with both, and be deadly with both. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we've come together and we thank you for the blessings you give us each and every day to assemble in our fellowship and our love in you. Father, this is a difficult time for so many of us across this world that we face the challenges of balancing, literally, the sword of steel and the sword of the Spirit. And this is a time now we pray for guidance and clarity as we move forward, but to understand that each one of us has a responsibility to stand in a righteous place, especially when it comes to protecting the children, the innocent, and those without voice, such as our elderly. Father, we are seeing an enemy that's vulturizing and preying on these. As we stand back and ask ourselves, what's going to happen or what should we do? The future of our world is being attacked by predators that are ruthless and look to damage them forever. And equally, they're looking to cast out and destroy the wisdom class that carries us into the next generation, that provides us with the insight and love and, un and understanding of time and experience. 
but they villainize them, diminish them as they villainize the parents and as they elevate up the children to make them hate everyone but their masters in the states. We must stand. And so, Father, we pray this evening for the bold hearts, for the courage in people's hearts to truly stand up to that evil and not stand down, to lead others to stand up against it, to be vocal, to be heard, to be decisive in our actions, to take actions to expose these evil, and to be relentless in driving them out of our communities. Father, we also pray for the justice that will come from your hand. And we say all these things with a loving and forgiving heart, not vengeance, but clarity that this is a mission that we must do and pursue. So guide us in these times. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is our job. It's our task and mission. Task, purpose, and mission. It's right before us. And every day we are going to have to get more aggressive with it and more bold with it. And in doing so, we will mobilize others to follow. It's a very clear task, but it's one that if we don't execute, we are going to pay a tremendous price. There is a piece I heard today of a testimony from what was a young girl. And it's a sad testimony because this is somebody who had been converted by a trans agenda. And now they're stuck with who they are. And this person now is sitting here having to deal with it. Take a listen to this 52 seconds. I'm an almost 30-year-old man. This is what I look like. This is what I sound like as an almost 30-year-old man. This is what happens when you let people transition in adolescence before they've had a chance to grow up, before they had a chance to even learn who they were. Not just let, but pressure. Pressure people to transition at these ages. Young, vulnerable people who are already so suggestible. And I feel like everyone is ignoring the pain because they are afraid that it threatens their choices and their narrative. If you want to transition in your 20s, you've had a chance to be a man or a woman, and this is what you want to do, okay, that's one thing. I do take accountability. I did it. I did it in secret from my parents. I take accountability for all my choices. But when is the trans community going to take accountability for theirs, for leading me down this path? This is the face of an almost 30-year-old man. This is the voice of an almost 30-year-old man. That young person does not have to make any apologies for being influenced by the cult. They were persuaded and brought in. And they are the ones that we need to pray for. They are the ones we need to support. And they are the voices that will be strongest in this fight against this evil. But we are fighting for them that haven't had the opportunity to have a choice, that are being persuaded. And it's something we have to be willing to put all on the line for. Heaven expects it. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, 
to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. 
We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. Patriots, I'm going to ask if we could do one prayer tonight before we close, before we start music, and it's for Bob, who lost his son last week. And I know these are difficult times. And it's an immeasurable loss that I can't personally even fathom. But I just ask you to join me in prayer. Father God, we just pray for Bob tonight. And I know these are not easy days. And there's nothing that can make this time easy. But we do pray that you can just, in particular, just continue to strengthen his heart and Jesus to stand with him. And may the Holy Spirit fill him to find both the place to be in, in a quiet place with you and equally, hopefully, the healing nature of his music, the gift that you gave him to sing his heart and to sing what he's going through for others to learn from, to experience, and to live through. Guide him and protect him. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, Bob. We know it's not easy.